0: To another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar Sinai for 33 years and counting. I'm so happy. Jorge's with me this morning. Ah, what a pleasure. We go way back. And I'm so proud of him, of all that he's done with his life, to be by my side this Saturday morning. Makes me feel very, very good. What a week I had in surgery. Oh, my God, yesterday. Incredible. A woman who had a hip replacement over 20 years ago slipped and fell and popped the ball out of the socket, tore all the muscles. What a mess. I took her to surgery. 89 years old. What was so awesome is to be able to fix the problem. You can't fix muscles and tissues in an 89-year-old like you can in a 29-year-old. How do you fix that, Dr. Clapper? Well, I may be a surgeon, but I always think back to my father, the carpenter, and all the things I watched him do. Using your hands, using your head, how to have the ball locked into the socket so I don't have to rely on the soft tissues to help keep it stable. And God bless Chuck Bruchette and Colin Black. These are the reps for the company Johnson & Johnson. And even though this implant is over 20 years old, I was able to use technology to lock it in place. When you have the perfect tool for the perfect problem, It is the warmest and fuzziest feeling that you can get. But the reason I'm telling you this story is it's apropos to today's show. The topic is going to be about training, a trainer. Because at 8.15, my guest is Christian Fabrizio. He's one of the best trainers in Los Angeles. He's a whiz kid when it comes to nutrition and muscle strengthening. we'll get into it at 8.15 with him. But it, it made me think all week. This is what I do. Part of my life in my office, I have nine employees. I have to train them. I'm in the operating room. I have people all around me. I can't do it alone. I have to train them to do it the way I like to do it. Even here at the radio station. You have to train the people around you so you may hear my voice on the radio, but I just told you I can't do it without Jorge. So this week, a young surgical tech, so shy and soft-spoken. When you think of Dr. Clapper, trust me, the one thing you don't think about is that I'm shy or soft-spoken, right? So when I meet someone, I'm sure I'm pretty damn intimidating to people. You're going to be in Dr. Clapper's room. Oh, no. He's going to yell. He's going to scream. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I am intense because I pretend that patient on the table is your mother. It's my mother. And if that's the case, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. And that's how I treat every patient I take care of and every student, whether it's in my office that I'm training or in the operating room, that's what I tell them. This is really easy. Pretend this is your mother. Then all of a sudden, what do you do next? How much energy do you bring to the table? It's a whole different story if it's your mother on the table, right? Well, that's how you have to pretend because this is someone's mother. This is someone's father. So uh, probably a year ago, a couple of years ago, I get introduced to his new tech. He's shy. He's soft-spoken. And you got to remember, in the operating room, I've got your hip, your knee, your shoulder open, and I'm focusing. 10, 12 hours, I'm focusing on this little wound, three inches wide, 10, 12 hours I'm on my feet just looking in this hole that I've made through your skin, into the muscles, into the joint. I'm just paying attention to the artery, the nerve. So part of what I do is I put my right hand out and I make make sure that whoever's helping me knows my routine, that I don't even have to say anything. The next tool that I need is in my hand. They're doing the operation remotely because they're two feet away from me. But they better be paying attention. Otherwise, they ain't coming back to my operating room. So the people I have around me are special. This young pup, his name is Norm. He's from South Florida. And he give me a tool. So when I do a new socket, for example, for your hip, I use different size equipment. And I mean to the millimeter, the reamers, to make the socket, to get rid of the worn-out cartilage so I can put the titanium implant in. I have to ream away that worn-out cartilage. What reamer are we starting with, I'll say? Dr. Clapper, a size 43, and I go up by 2 millimeters. Next one's 45, then 47, 49. So that the implant I'm going to bang in is 50 millimeters. These are technical terms I don't have to really translate right now. All I want you to know is when I put my right hand out, you better not be shy or quiet. You better learn how to yell it out because when they give me the reamer, I need to know it's a 43, it's a 45. You better yell. Because I need to hear. and There's a lot of noise going on in the operating room. I need to hear. You need to verbally communicate with me. And for a shy, soft-spoken kid, I have to make him into a New Yorker, a yeller, a screamer. And I did over this last year. I am so proud of him. Well, a month ago, he says to me, you know, Dr. Clapper, I've never been to New York I'm going on vacation with my sister, my mom. What should I do there? You're from New York. You've talked so much about it. I said, Norm, come with me. I sat down, took a blank piece of paper, took out a pen. This is where you're going for a bagel. This is where you're going for a slice of pizza. This is where you're going, you know, the best health salad and pastrami sandwich. This is what you're doing. But the number one thing. You are weekend warriors, so I'm going to give you the list right now. The number one thing on my list, if you're going to New York, is this. You're going to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, built over 100 years ago for the pedestrian. It's not built for cars. There's no cars. Right down the middle of the bridge, above the traffic, is the walkway for the pedestrian, for people. There's no other bridge like this in the world. The cars are below you. The best part, you go from one beautiful part of Manhattan to Brooklyn, which used to be a burnt-out, graffitiized, gang-infested, horrible place. Guess what? It ain't that way anymore. Because 22 years ago, a chocolate maker named Jacques Torres... J a c q e s e u e s t o r r e s Jacques Torres, a French-trained chocolatier, decided to take over a burnt-out building and make it a chocolate factory. Are you kidding me? He's the best chocolatier in the world. And I am a chocolatologist. So I said, Norm, of all the things I'm telling you to do, bagels, pizza, pastrami, these are my favorite places. My mouth is watering already. You're going to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, and you're going to go to Jacques Torres. And when you go there, this is what you're going to get. Dark chocolate-covered cornflakes. What? Let me tell you, Weekend Warriors, you can order them on Amazon online. It costs you eight bucks. It's not expensive. Because when you put in your mouth this dark chocolate that this man makes around a cornflake, it'll blow your mind. So that's the food for today. The reason I'm telling you this is Norm came back from New York. And this week, I'm in the operating room. And he says to me, Dr. Clapper, I have a, A gift for you I had the greatest time in New York I was the big shot for my mom my sister my cousin we went to every one of those places I had three days of absolute heaven because we did your itinerary we went to all the places you said here I brought you back something and he gives me a box of Jacques Torres chocolate-covered cornflakes. A little box. There's probably ten of things in it, a dozen. I couldn't wait. I opened it immediately between surgeries. And from my tongue and mouth, it doesn't go in your stomach when you eat something like this. And I'm a doctor, I can tell you that. When you eat a Jacques Torres cornflake, dark chocolate-covered cornflake, it goes from your mouth right into your brain doesn't even go in your stomach it is so next level and i know chocolate i know everybody sees candies uh ladder hotch i i I know all the fish swiss chocolate i know them all jacques torres is a national treasure go on amazon order yourself this is a rare show because i'm telling you what to do with food in the first segment but that's okay you can go to Good Time Donuts in Ventura and have all the donuts you want at the end of the, at the, end of the show. But Jacques Torres, that's where you're going to go. And the reason I'm telling you that story is to set up today's show. Today's show is about Dr. Clapper teaching Norm how to be proud, get comfortable, don't whisper. And he's a different guy now. He's confident. Yeah, that's the student-teacher relationship. That's training. And when Christian Fabrizio comes on at A15, we're going to get into it. Because every teacher has a lesson plan. you got to give the information. But every teacher will tell you, every student is different. Those ears are different of who's listening. And a good teacher changes the technique of the lesson plan, still gets the information across. A bad teacher just sticks to the game plan and doesn't change. A good teacher modifies it. So it made me think all week. The teacher-student, the trainer and the trainee, where in my lifetime did I see it in its greatest Form in the world of sports in the world of art and I just told you the world of surgery because to me they're all the same Mike Tyson was one of the greatest boxers to ever live he'd get in the ring these guys would be so scared the, the bout would be over in the first round his first 12 fights knockout in the first round in a matter of seconds he's the most powerful scariest guy you can ever imagine and yet When Jeremy Shap from ESPN says, Tell us about your trainer. Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, the killer, starts to cry. He says to Jeremy Schapp, Why is it that whenever I talk about my teacher, my trainer, my adopted father, I can't even speak as I start to tear up. Wait till you hear it. In fact... Well, I'll do it in the next segment. But what about in the world of art? What happens when the trainer loses their star pupil? How do you deal with that? You still want to teach. You're still a trainer. You better learn how to modify the lesson plan for the different student. Well, where did I see that in my lifetime? This woman singing this song.
1: Such a feeling's
0: coming around right
2: there is
3: most that's karen carpenter
0: well at Not age 32 sky, she passes away from anorexia nervosa tragic on so many levels but the biggest tragedy is the guy who writes these songs who arranges these songs who's playing the piano on these songs is her brother what's he supposed to do His sister, his partner is gone. He's got the lesson plan. And you're going to hear Richard Carpenter say, I asked Dionne Warwick, I asked Dusty Springfield, and later in his life, the London Symphony Orchestra, to play those Karen Carpenter songs that I wrote. But you'll hear him say, I had to change the lesson plan because she's not here anymore and how he did it, and what goes through his mind. That's what I want to talk about today, the ultimate trainer. Coming up next, you're going to hear Iron Mike Tyson crying because he's talking about his beloved trainer, Customato. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The great Karen Carpenter. If that isn't a voice from the heavens above, I don't know what is. The purity in that voice. Don't even try to sing along. It's embarrassing. She's just amazing. And we'll get into her story and her brother, Richard Carpenter. The perfect example in art and music of train, trainer and trainee. But in the world of sports, by the way, talk about trainer and going to school. Jimmy Butler took the Celtics to school. And as a Laker fan, there are three things that make us happy. It's a trifecta. One, when the Lakers win. We just got ourselves a great coach, Darvin Ham. Welcome to the family. Here's the trifecta. Number one, when the Lakers win. Number two, when the Clippers lose. And number three, when the Celtics lose. And last night, there's a lot of experts on ESPN. Some of them I may not mention, Stephen A. Smith, who guaranteed that the Celtics would beat Miami last night. God bless sports. Because nobody, and I mean nobody, Knows what's going to happen next. Oh my God. With a bum knee. It's always orthopedics. And I'm making a prediction right now. Forget about Stephen A. Smith's predictions that the Celtics would win. Here's a Dr. Clapper orthopedic surgery prediction. Tyler Hero's going to play on Sunday in Miami with Jimmy Butler. Don't make that parade in Boston so fast. It's just awesome. We could have, we're Laker fans, all of us, we could have in the NBA Finals, Pat Riley against Jerry West. What do you mean, Jerry West, Dr. Clapper? He works for the Clippers. Sure. But it was Jerry West who said, we ain't trading Clay Thompson for Kevin Love over my dead body. He put his body in the way and blocked the trade. We're going to be seeing two teams put together by Lakers. That's our finals. But let's get into today's show. Here's Mike Tyson talking about his trainer. Coming up under the blessings at age 13. He was arrested before he was 13, 38 times. They didn't know what to do with him. No ma- mother, no father running on the streets in Bushwick, Brooklyn. So they put him upstate New York in the Catskills. In a place for kids who just can't get it right. Listen to Mike Tyson talk about his beloved trainer, Cus D'Amato.
3: It's the state of mind that Cus put me in. Why are you jumping around? He never, like, if you watched any of my earlier fights, you never saw me, when Custer's alive, that was, you never saw me jumping around and celebrating. Because Custer, I would come home and Custer would watch the fight with me. We'd go over the fight, and he said, after he'd go over my mistakes, he said, why are you doing that? Why are you jumping around? Do you think you've been practicing this every day for six weeks? And um why are you jumping? You've been doing this every day. In the, you've been getting the same results every day in the gym. Now you get in the ring, you jump around, act like it was an accident. And so... I expect the people to be knocked out, so that's why I never really celebrated. Only as late I did that out of arrogance, but when I was first training I expect people to be knocked out.
0: If Customato was still alive, Mike Tyson, you would not be arrogant. He'd be sitting you down. But that's where the wheels went off the wagon for Mike Tyson when he lost Customato. But let's talk about the glory days.
3: When I first met him I was just a young street kid and I never um this is very interesting. I, I can't believe that I'm, I'm trying to explain this. I never had, um, besides confidence, I never was envious or jealous of anyone before until I met Cuss. You know what I mean? And um, he gave me those qualities. Well, he made me aware of them. I probably had them all the time because I gravitated to them quickly. So he um, he made me aware of those qualities that um, you should have this. Or you could beat him. You're better than him. Not, and not that you could be better if you work hard. you could be better and you could also achieve good things. You're better than him and this and that. Mm. And why should he have that and you shouldn't have that? Why, is, why should he be better than you? And I never, would and that was, and I was intimidated he would say because he would say it really and forceful. Mm-hmm. So um, I never had those qualities and those qualities allowed me to, um, I don't know, um, ascend to just achieve um, accomplishments.
0: But no, you could say it, achieve greatness. When I was a little kid sitting in the car, we lived in Far Rockaway. Trust me, this was not a nice neighborhood. We'd drive through the nice neighborhood. Lawrence, Cedarhurst, the five towns. A little kid I was, in the car with my mother and my father. I'd be sitting in the back seat and i hear my mother say, Robbie, looking at these fancy houses in the fancy neighborhoods. You believe some people get to live like this? How come we can't live like this, I would say to myself. We just, we're not going to be living like this. Other people get to live like this. Same thing. I had a mother and a father who did what Mike Tyson's describing. Like that fire inside. You say, why can't I? Why not me? Oh, you can't go to an Ivy League school, Robbie. Nobody from this neighborhood does that. First of all, what the hell's an Ivy League school? And if I can figure out what school you're talking about, I'm going to that school. And I did. Don't tell me I can't do anything. Light that fire. Don't be such a helicopter parent that you're worrying you're going to crush your kid. The hell with that. She looks at me, my mother, when I'm 11 years old. So, Mr. Big Shot, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I'm going to be a carpenter like my father. Really? Do me a favor. First, you should be a doctor. Then you can do whatever you want. Thank you. I come home, 95 on a paper. I'm so happy. Everybody else got a 70. Not my mother. Hey, Mom, look at this. I got a 95. Really? What happened to the other five points? What do you mean? I got a 95. Everybody got a 70. I don't care about anybody else, she says. What what happened to the other five points? Oh, my God. You're incredible. But behind my back? She's telling everybody in that neighborhood, my son, he got a 95. That's what it's all about. Yeah, to some extent, it's parenting. Training your kids. That's what today's topic is all about. Here's more from Mike Tyson.
3: Well, he course, because he adopted me and pretty much became his legal guardian. He became my legal guardian like my father figure. And we dealt with um, life as a father and son. And so I never knew what... Um, how do I express express this? I never knew what it was like for um, most people that had fathers. I noticed on some occasions they wanted to make their father happy. Right. And Cus wanted to be wanted to have a heavyweight champion and that would make him very happy.
0: He would listen to him talk to his friends. Mike Tyson listened to the seventy year old trainer who now adopted him, brought him into his house like a son, talking to his buddies. Oh, I got this guy. He's am he wanted to make him proud of him, make him happy. I noticed
3: when I won my fights and I won with spectacular knockouts, he was would, he was would, um, he was so happy. He'd be like a little child. He would call all his friends, his old friends, that's seventy, eighty years old, <laughs> about the him, and say, "I got this new kid that's gonna be champion. Only fourteen <laughs> years old now, but he's gonna be champion of the world." And he'd be, uh, he would light up like a like a light bulb, mm-hmm. you know. So I liked making him happy. I really enjoyed making him happy. That's
0: exactly right. When you're the trainee, you just want to make that teacher of yours proud, happy. Yeah, I get it.
1: But you lit up like a light bulb as well. I mean, he he got you reading, watching films of old boxers, and, and educated you in a way that you hadn't been up to then.
3: Well, that's all I ever thought about when I was in my early teen, 13. Um, it's all I thought about was fighting and wanting to be a fighter. I didn't wash much. I didn't do anything much. I just <laughs> thought about fighting. I read about fighters. And that's just, um, I wasn't told, I wasn't asked this, is what I was told this is what you're going to do. You know, I never said, well, this is what I'm going to be a boxer. I would say, this is what, you know, you will be champ of the world. This is what you're going to do. we are going to be champ of the world. And that was just my goal since I was 13. And Cus would say to friends very soon after he met you that this kid's
1: going to be the heavyweight champion Yeah, of the people world. didn't
3: believe him because I was so small, you know, smaller, thinner. I was hep chubby, but I was for a heavyweight champion. I didn't have the, um, Oh, this is interesting. I didn't have the appearance of a heavy physical appearance of a heavyweight champion. But he saw it. I don't know what he saw in me, but he saw it.
0: That's what's so special. When someone believes in you, to take the time to train someone. This show is about both the trainer and the trainee. Now buckle your seatbelt. Get some Kleenex. Listen to Jeremy Schaap talking to Mike Tyson about his trainer, his teacher his father figure. This is Iron Mike Tyson. He
3: just met me, I'm a little kid, he said you will be the world champ. It's interesting, Mike. You
1: get emotional when you talk about cuss. But you've said cuss didn't like it when you showed emotion. Oh yeah, like that.
0: Can't even speak.
1: Why didn't he want you to show emotion? Was, did he equate it with weakness?
0: I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did. Now Jeremy Schapp is going to say, after Mike Tyson says, how did he know? How did he know I was the one? Jeremy Schapp, he's a sports reporter. He says, because you're, you're a specimen. You're big and strong. And Mike Tyson then says, no, you're wrong, Jeremy Schapp another espn expert you're wrong it takes more than being physically strong to be a champion boxer there's something else character whatever it is you'll start crying when you hear this you okay yeah,
3: how could i ever do an interview about him and i start crying yeah this guy know yeah I need- I didn't know I was the one.
0: Well, you were a specimen.
3: Things more than that to be a fighter. Yeah, he's talking about my character and my discipline. And he, I didn't know what discipline was, so he explained to that. Discipline is doing what you hate to do, but do it like you love it.
0: That's exactly right. I just want you to hear what Customato sounded like. So here he is. Lessons from Customato. The physical part of boxing is so minor
1: that most people would never believe it or accept it. Because, in my opinion, the mind and emotions are about 75% of boxing. It is the mark of a great fighter when he has character plus skill. Because a fighter with character and skill will often rise and beat a better fighter because of this. Character is that quality upon which you can depend under pressure and other conditions. Character makes the fighter predictable. Character
0: helps him win. That's right, Customato. That's what he saw in Mike Tyson. And that's why he brought that 13-year-old kid into his house and adopted him. Coming up next in the world of art, the trainer and the trainee. This is fascinating. The world of the Carpenters. The story of Richard Carpenter losing his sister, Karen Carpenter, and how he goes on. Fascinating. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Mm me down welcome back weekend warriors speaking of mondays monday i did such two big rotated cuff surgeries just awesome but in older people than usual one was a 65 year old woman the other was a 70 year old woman the mri said these are small but they're full thickness tears so i said to both of them you know what I'm not going to open up your whole shoulder. I'm still going to arthroscope it. And there is a great tool from Authrex developed by our very own Neil Elletrosch here in Los Angeles, who's not only a great surgeon, good friend of mine, he's an artist. It's called a swivel lock. And I was able to pass sutures, special kinds of stitches made of bulletproof material called fiber wire and exactly put the torn tendon right back on top of the bone we call it the footprint go home the same day and you're gonna be good as new it's just awesome what a world when i started 33 years ago we didn't have these tools it's like i was in a horse and buggy now i could drive in a ferrari technology incredible how it's improved and I'm only thinking of it because Karen Carpenter singing that song, Rainy Days and Mondays. That's what I did on Monday. But Karen Carpenter's brother, Richard Carpenter, her brother, her arranger, her producer, her musical partner, has to go on after she dies at the tender age of 32. Oh, vey! here he is talking about it so just playing using
1: the same part with that many more strings just gave it a richer sound one of the challenges that was facing me as an arranger uh, was having all of that that symphonic size orchestra and not overdoing anything.
0: Here he is talking about <coughs> bringing her songs to an orchestra, changing his model. Here's the sound bite where he says she's 32. Fred wants uh, a quote of yours that no
4: matter what happens uh, to me in the rest of my life, nothing will mean as much as the Carpenters. That's true. And you can use that in a positive way, can't you?
2: Uh... Well, I certainly can, because it's a comfort to me that, uh, I mean, to me, I I had the privilege of of being Karen's brother and professional Mm -hmm. partner. That's the way I look at it. And no matter what happens, um, we we did uh, have the opportunity to make those records and they will always be around. And that's a, a great comfort to me.
0: So what does he do after she dies Here's the interview of he's got a pull up his bootstraps and go back in the studio. But your student is gone. Your trainee is gone. You're a trainer. Listen to Richard Carpenter.
4: But going back into the studio and working with all of that material, and all the stuff that you and Karen had done,
2: that must have taken some getting used to. Yeah, it does. In, in, uh, in one way, it's uh, it, it's business as usual because we spent so many years... Mm-hmm in the studio, uh, so the mechanics of it are second nature. Um, the, the troubling part of course was that uh, it, it keeps reminding uh, a person, reminded me, uh, that she was no longer here. Yeah, but on the other hand, uh, she will it, it's be nice, here. that's right. Uh, we've, uh, she left a marvelous legacy and uh, in in one sense, uh, it's troubling, and in another, it's nice to know at least uh, her voice is still mm-hmm. with us, and it was still, in a way, like, like working
4: with yeah, her.
0: Well, now, what are you going to do?
4: Now, with time, you're the uh, pianist, arranger, composer, producer, just about everything and on vocalist. it. And vocalist. Yeah. And vocalist <laughs> as well. Do you have a new, uh, I mean, do you have some female voices in it? We just heard the uh, instrumental <sighs> Right, there's there. one
2: instrumental, one instrumental track. Uh, yes, we have some... Um, uh, some guest artists, mm-hmm. uh, the bulk of the leads uh, are handled by me, uh, but uh, some good friends of mine and, and uh, faves of mine uh, guested on the album. One is Dionne Warwick, mm-hmm. uh, another is uh, Dusty Springfield.
0: But now he has to modify. He's the trainer. The student's different. What is he going to do? Does he let them be themselves? Or does he try to make them like Karen Carpenter? I got news for you. There's only God only made one Karen Carpenter just like all of us are an individual. We're unique. Is there a temptation to try to recapture
4: the sound? I mean, Karen's sound was so unique. The phrasing, and I, I said timeless, and it is. It indeed. is, yes. I mean, I, up until Karen uttered her first uh, word in song, I mean, we had never heard a sound like that, and it was very unique. Is there a temptation to try and recapture that? Because not, it is so special.
2: Not not in, in the... Uh... The, the lead singing. Obviously the, c- certain tracks on this album will sound very carpenter because I handled all of the uh, arrangement and production of the Carpenter's tracks. But as far as um, uh, lead singing, each uh, the people I mentioned, Dusty and Dion, they're they're greats and, and they have their own style. Mm-hmm. And so of course, uh, Dusty had mentioned, well I wonder how am I going to make it sound just like Karen? And then it dawned on her, he's not going to want that, and I didn't want that. I wanted Dusty to sing as Dusty sings on one of my songs.
0: That is the secret. You've got to change the lesson plan, depending on the student, if you're a good teacher. If you're just going through the motions, and I've had plenty of bad teachers, there's no passion, there's no caring whether you get the information they're just picking up a paycheck and want to have the summer off but in life there's nothing and i mean nothing more important more valuable to our society than a good teacher the teacher who cares who recognizes this may be the lesson plan but i gotta change it up because this kid is different than other kids Later in his life, Richard Carpenter decides, I'm not only going to change the lesson plan for different singers with the same songs my sister sang, I'm going to England to the London Symphony Orchestra, and I'm going to modify the lesson plan in a whole different way. As an artist, this is the greatest. Picasso went through different periods, the blue period, the pink period, Michelangelo himself, my hero. You look at the sculptures he made early in his life, how realistic they were. Look at those sculptures at the end of his life. They're abstract art. They don't look anything like what he did in the beginning. You evolve if you're doing it right. Here's Richard Carpenter talking about doing his songs with a symphony. It starts again with just piano and Karen, so...
1: And then the vibe comes, in. and then Karen just beat on. Why do birds suddenly
4: The song that started it all. <laughs> the rest is history.
3: It's get me.
2: Richard and Karen Carpenter had hit after hit in the '70s, but their career together was cut short when Karen died in 1983. She had the eating disorder anorexia nervosa.
3: Baby, 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 oh baby.
1: She was only 32 when she passed away. Heck, she was just maturing. I, well, I think I try not to at times think of all the different things that we could have done or I'll hear a certain song, or an older song, and think, "Eh, if we'd only just done this, just for fun.
2: But now, more than four decades on from their heyday, Richard Carpenter has rearranged some of the duo's biggest hits. It's the latest project for the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, putting a new spin on the recordings of music legends, and, for the first time, working closely with one of the original artists.
1: There were certain things I'd heard through the years as I listen to our old songs every now and again, and I'd think, uh, boy, i think, boy, I'd like to have another crack at that. Wow. So just playing, the, using the same part with that many more strings just gave it a richer sound. One of the challenges that was facing me as an arranger uh, was having all of that, that symphonic-sized orchestra
0: and not overdoing anything. Awesome. You heard Mike Tyson, the trainee, talking about the influence of the trainer, Customato. You hear Richard Carpenter, the trainer, talking about losing his trainee and having to change. Teaching, the student, These are all things that are important to me and what I do every Saturday with you. Thanks for telling your friends, telling your family. Coming up next, we're going to do some clap revision. If you want to call in, the number is 877-710-ESPN. But I want to take you into the operating room, and I want to talk about a hockey player. That's right. His name is Brad Marchand. And yesterday, he had surgery on both of his hips. A hockey player. Still playing hockey and he's still going to play hockey. He's going to be out for six months. What exactly does it mean that he tore his labrum in the middle of the season and he's going to come back in six months? I'll explain. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I don't I just don't want to interrupt her. Most beautiful voice Karen Carpenter. To me she's emblematic of the trainee and her brother Richard Carpenter, the trainer. Only on this show, you can tell Steve Mason and John Ireland, only on this show what I somehow relate Customato and Mike Tyson to that woman with that beautiful voice singing. But it is the same story, and it's the same story of me training people in the operating room, training people in my office, training people here at the station. And don't forget my teachers, Dr. Ranawat Measured twice, cut once as my father, but Ranawat taught me, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. In one six-week period of time, in the 80s, 84 to 88, I was at special surgery. I did 100 hip replacements. I'm not exact, not 92, not a, I did 100 hip replacements with Dr. Ranawat. Three days a week, boom, 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 boom. In every case, he taught me one small pearl of wisdom. Not always with his mouth and words, but with his hands. What I watched, what I witnessed. And he inspired me to be an artist in the operating room by coming up with patents, just like he did. So many of those patients were way younger than they should have been. But we didn't understand why, what was happening. Because in the 80s, we didn't have an understanding of how the hip joint works like we do now. Yeah, it's a ball fitting in a socket. But just like is a Clapper Vision, that brand new car you have, if you don't have the alignment of the four tires perfectly set up properly, you're going to stress one tire more than the other. There needs to be a balancing act of those four tires. That's what the alignment is. And guess what happens if you don't have the alignment on your car lined up? You're going to prematurely wear out the rubber of the tire. So when you go and spend all that money on a new tire, you better not skimp and not let the mechanic also correct your alignment because you'll be wearing it out that much faster again. Well, that same clapper vision, that same principle happens in our body. This is not about being obese and more weight and therefore you wear your joints out. This isn't about having gout which damages the cartilage or having someone give you a cortisone shot which is toxic to the articular cartilage and now prematurely wears the cartilage out and you get arthritis. No. This is about how were you put together when you were born? What do you mean, how was put together? Yeah, this is the beauty of medicine, which is why I love it so much. Because the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. When I see that 34-year-old, which is the age of Brad Marshan, the hockey player for the Boston Bruins, who now is limping and has pain, And he's on skates. He's not even running on ground with full gravity. He's skating along the ice with severe pain and now less and less mobility. Now we know the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. You look at his X-ray. Forget about the MRI. You have to be smart enough as a surgeon to look at the X-ray and say, wait a minute. There's a mismatch. That ball of yours is too big for the shallow socket. It's not normal. What happens when you're made with a ball slightly bigger than the socket? Well, here's a Clapper vision. Clapper What if it's August and it's 110 degrees outside and the asphalt is so hot you could cook an egg on it, which is, by the way, what I found in Barstow one summer when I was asked to be an expert witness in the courtroom up there, I drive up there, it's 120 degrees. I, I always heard that expression. The, the asphalt's so hot you couldn't cook an egg on it. I, I don't know. I'm from New York. I don't know what they're talking about. Go to Barstow, wherever the hell that, that is, by the way. But I went to Barstow, parked my car. I got out of the car. I'm the only one in the parking lot, by the way. And I put my... I got shoes on. I'm going, oh my God. The heat was coming through the asphalt, through my shoes. I'm going, this is what they're talking about. I wish I had an egg right now. I'd put it on this, I'd eat it off the asphalt. That's how hot it was. I don't even know why I'm talking about barstone and egg right now. I completely lost my train of thought. But anyway, we now know the clapper vision is for a hip that has basically been built where the ball is too big for the socket. Oh, I know why. Because you need flip-flops. You need your foot to be covered. You can't be barefoot. So if you went into your favorite surf shop, mine is Val Surf in the Valley, Witsit and and, uh, Riverside Drive, go to see the Richards boys. Tell them I said you're a weekend warrior. Ask for Brandon. But if I go in there and they're all out of size 12 flip-flops, that's how big a foot I have. I'm sorry, Dr. Clapper, we're out of 12s. But we have these size 8s. Size 8s? How can I have a size 12 foot? How the hell am I going to wear a size 8 flip-flop? Well, it's hot. You better have something. So my heel sticks out beyond the size 8 flip-flop. That's what the x-ray looks like in young people who have hip pain. If you look carefully, you'll see that the ball is bigger than the socket. Your foot, my size 12 foot, is bigger than my size 8 flip-flop. So my heel sticks out beyond the end of the flip-flop. Guess what happens? My heel crushes the edge of the flip-flop because my foot is too big. And every time I take a step, I'm crushing the edge of it. Well, if your hip, your ball of the ball and socket, the femoral head is too big for the socket because of the way you're born, you will crush the edge, the lip, of the socket of the hemisphere looks like a baseball cap without the bill with your head sticking in it that's what your hip joint is like it's like your head wearing a baseball cap the ball fitting in the socket you will wear out the brim the, the edge the lip and that's where the meniscus which is in your knee the meniscus of the hip is called the labrum so Brad Marchand of the Boston Bruins he'll be out for six months yesterday both his hips were done where they not only shave down some of the heel if you will and fix the back of the flip-flop we shave down the ball make it smaller and we repair the edge of the flip-flop we repair the labrum so that he doesn't end up with premature arthritis and be like many patients i take care of who are in their 30s and 40s who have to do an implant Either a Birmingham surface replacement or a minimally invasive hip replacement. And I do thousands of these over 33 years. Literally thousands. But with our modern technology, arthroscope his hip, shave it down, repair the labrum. He's going to be good enough to play hockey in six months in the National Hockey League. That is why it is so cool to be a surgeon in 2022 at my beloved hospital, Cedar sinai Coming up next, I'm going to tell you some stories. Some stories about trainers and trainees. Because at 8.15, my guest, Christian Fabrizio, is a world-class trainer. And I can't wait to talk to him about what's it like to change the lesson plan because of the uniqueness of your student and other insights. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.